Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me today on the Word Podcast. So we continue through our examination of the book of James, the letter that James wrote. We're just beginning this. And so if you didn't catch the first episode, go back and check it out real quick. So here's James chapter one, verse one. And it says this, James, a bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad. Greetings. <coughs> Excuse me. And as we saw in the last episode, this is James, and we're going to find out more about him as we go along exactly who he is. But he describes himself as the bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's writing to the 12 tribes. Now, the 12 tribes, that's a, a, a delineation of people who are Jewish in background. The Jews were organized around 12 tribes. Remember that? So these are the 12 tribes that are dispersed abroad. But when you read the next verses, you find out that these are people of Jewish background who are now believers. Okay, they're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's writing to them. They've been scattered. They've been dispersed. And so that's a very strong connotation. And we know that it happened, that this was uh, against their will. This was because of situations and circumstances they had to flee. So verse 2, he picks right up. And it gives us some idea about these circumstances. Count it all joy, brothers, when you meet various trials of various kinds. So the New American Standard says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. So he is dealing with the fact that they are encountering trials. And he's telling them from the very beginning, hey, guys, count it joy. Consider it to be joy. He doesn't say anything about uh, feeling like you're happy about it, <laughs> what we usually associate with joy and all that kind of stuff. No, 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 nothing like that. He's saying you determine in your mind, in your spirit, that you're going to count it joy when you encounter these various trials. Well, why is that? Verse 3 told us, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. These various kinds of trials that we face are really a testing of our faith. And it is that which brings forth endurance. And it's the same way that we do anything. If you work out in a gym type of thing and you desire to uh, uh, strengthen yourself to build up muscle mass or to lose fat or whatever it is, you do this, you test, you put your body to the trial, you make it sweat, you make it a little sore, you make things like that. And it produces endurance, okay? It produces endurance internally uh, with your heart and respiratory system, that type of thing. Well, the same thing happens with the faith. So the Lord is encouraging us to realize that when these trials come, they're not because of punishment. He's not talking about that. We talked about that last time. If you do something, uh, I think I used the example of a speeding ticket. If that happens, don't consider that to be a trial. It's just punishment for something you shouldn't have done, okay? But he says when you encounter these various trials, you just realize it's a testing. Could God have spared us that and not brought those things into our lives? Absolutely. Could he have not have allowed them? Sure. But he chose to for a couple of purposes. One is to, for us to produce endurance, and we're going to see some more here in just a moment, but then also to his praise and his honor and his glory. Now watch this. Verse 4 picks up the endurance motif. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete complete 
lacking in nothing. So he's saying this, the ESV calls it steadfastness. It says the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. In other words, you're going to be steadfast in the faith. And this steadfastness has a, a, a result, has a full effect. And that full effect is that you're perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, we hear that word perfect. We always freak out. You know, People go, oh, nobody's perfect. You know, we're all sinners. Even if we're saved, we're all sinners. Yeah, I know what you mean. But we so lock into that. I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, that we don't see what the balance of the Scripture says, that we're called to walk in holiness, that we're called to walk in righteousness, that we're called to abide in the Lord. If you're abiding in the Lord, you will not sin. That you will not sin. It's when you step outside that abiding. The Greek word that's used right here for perfect uh, does mean complete, but it speaks of being made mature, okay? That you'll be mature. Then the word complete right after it uh, means complete, but it's complete in, in the entirety of the whole, the wholeness of the situation, the entirety of the body, that you're sound, so that you may be mature, that you may be sound, that you may lack nothing. So see these various trials, these things that come our way that test our faith. Again, that gives us some insight into the type of trial we're talking about here. What does it do? If you stand firm, it produces endurance. And this endurance, this steadfastness is going to have a result. And the result is that you're going to be mature. You're going to be complete and whole, and you're not going to lack anything. I believe this speaks to us individually. I also speak, I believe that it speaks to us corporately as the body of Christ. Okay? Individual Christians are very, very immature for the most part. You actually see in the book of Hebrews where the author of Hebrews is saying, hey, you know, by now you ought to be teachers, but you're still needing milk and you're living off the milk. You need to mature. Okay? We see it as the body of Christ. The body of Christ is very immature in the faith. The body of Christ is fighting and squabbling about this and that and refusing to do what the Scripture tells us to do. I'll give you an example. The next verse gives a great example. Uh, so it continues. Verse 5 says this, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So he's sitting there saying, you know what? Persevere in these things. Stand firm in these things, in these times of testing, these trials, because this will bring endurance. And this endurance will bring maturity and will bring wholeness. But if any of you lacks wisdom, if you don't understand what's being said right here, if you lack wisdom, and I bet that's the word, uh, yeah, Sophia, that's what I thought. If you lack learning, if you lack cleverness, okay, if you lack understanding about this subject matter right here, okay, as well in, as any other subject matter, let him ask of God. Okay, if you lack wisdom of something, ask God, who gives to all generously without reproach, and it will be given to him. The Lord will grant us wisdom. But folks, the church is so deceived by that. I mean, I heard that recently where the whole thing, because there's many denominations that are in quite an uproar over various things that are happening among them. And there's one in particular that I'm thinking of. <laughs> and uh, big things are about to happen. So it was just said over and over, well, if you lack wisdom, if you don't know who to listen to, if you don't have wisdom, you're trying to decide whether to listen to this person or listen to that person, listen to this situation, listen to that situation. I'm sitting there thinking, well, that's your problem. You don't listen to man. You ask of God. 
if you don't have wisdom, you ask of God. The Proverbs, I mean, gosh, the, the first, what, seven Proverbs speaks so much of that. Here in the New Testament, it speaks of that. If you lack wisdom, ask God. Don't sit there and say, oh, I think I'll ask that guy over there because I think he loves everybody. I think he's manifesting love. And so he must have the right answer. That's not what the scripture says. The scripture says, if you lack wisdom, then ask God. It's real simple right here. And then there's a great promise with it. It says, when you do that, God gives generously and gives liberally without reproach. In other words, without reservation. He's not going to, like, I love the King James. He's not going to upbraideth. <laughs> upbraideth not. He's not going to chew you out. He's not going to make fun of you. He's not going to reproach you. He's going to give you wisdom. He will grant wisdom for the understanding of what it means in this context right here about endurance and about these trials and these tribulations. So if something's coming your way and you don't know why it's happening, you don't know what to do, ask God. Let me read it again in verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, in other words, you don't know what to do, you don't know why it's happening, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach. And it will be given to him. Notice that God gives to all who are believers who ask of him. Tell you what, my time is up, so I'll pick this up next time. But folks, this is seriously something that we need to consider, okay? Again, I'm Dale. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, go to my website. You'll see the blog. You'll see the podcast there. You'll see a place where you can help support these times. And I thank you so much. Goodbye. <music>